Timothy 6.19, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. So what's part of the instruction that Timothy gives that, that, he must, uh, that Paul gives to Timothy that needs to be given to rich people? Uh, don't, don't trust in the riches. Don't be haughty. Do good to them. Verse 18, ready to give, willing to share. But verse 19, storing up for themselves a good foundation. Now, now, now um, note that word storing up. We might come back to that in a minute in James. Storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come. Well, when it says for the time to come, what's that referring to? Eternal, eternity, in a sense, uh, that they may lay hold on eternal life. In other words, he's he's even in here in Timothy, he's he's emphasizing an eternal focus, and this is actually what James is getting at when James talks about it. Um, it's possible for the focus to become so internatural things. An eternal focus is, is it has to be kept in position in order to handle finances properly. Even when you're a rich person in a godly way, you have to have an eternal focus first. Um, and that that links in with what Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And these things will be added to you. So in, in many of these scriptures, which people use to say are anti-rich, he, he's not saying don't have riches, but he says make, make sure um, your focus are not the riches, but uh, uh, but in the eternal in the eternal things. Um, and in eternity is the word we might use. Life is, is about more than just natural temporary existence. And it is, I know we all know this, and this might be a more of a simple basic teaching, but it's good to, to really be reminded of some of these things. Because it is very easy to become so thing-focused. Um, and I, I remember, um, I can't remember, I don't, well, I don't know which minister first said this. I've heard it from different ones. Um, but they said, it, it is God's, God, God's not against you having things as long as things don't have you. And that's actually the issue. Because where is the heart? Where is the passion? What is the focus? What is the focus of every one of our lives? Eternity-minded should be the center of everything. You know, it's not just for people in ministry to be eternity-minded and to give up all for the call and to focus on the call. This should be the heart and passion of every Christian. Yeah. That actually the, 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 the eternal focus of our lives, that every decision, everything we do, every way we handle our finances comes from an eternal focus first. Um, uh, uh, the book of Haggai. Um, I don't know if you've, well, we've probably all read it at some point. It's just two chapters. Um, you know, you, you have to read these, these, they call them the minor prophets, Haggai and, and Zephaniah. You've got, you do have to read them because when you get to heaven, you can at least say, hey, Haggai, I read your book. Okay. <laughs> got to read it because he's going to ask you. I'm just joking. <laughs> What's your name again? <laughs> <laughs> but um, book of Haggai actually is about this theme as well, because the book of Haggai, it's, it's, it's written during the time when Israel rest, was restored into the land. Uh, they'd been in captivity. They came back into the land. Um, and and they, there was some, some initial starting of building of the temple. Um, you know, like you've got books like Nehemiah and es, uh, es, uh, Ezra. I was going to say Esther, but Esther is the different. Nehemiah and Ezra, mm -hmm. which is about the rebuilding of the land. But what a lot of people don't realize happened is they, re they, they, they came back into the land. They started to rebuild the temple. Now, the temple is God's thing. Okay. We're the temple, the kingdom of God, everything like that. That's how that would apply to us in, 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 the, um, in, the, uh, in the New Testament. 
in Haggai, they in Nehemiah stuff, they started to rebuild the temple, but they got they ended up getting some opposition. Uh, the enemies tr tried to stop them, tried to stood in their way, and what happened is they then stopped rebuilding the temple, and their their focus shifted. Their focus shifted from building the temple into building their own stuff in the land. And they started to build their own houses and just, and, 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 and God's temple became second in priority. Their focus shifted. And what happened then is they were finding life wasn't going quite right. Now, remember, what's the book of James about? We're going to look at the things James says. James is about things that hinder results. Now, in Haggai, the results were being hindered. He says, you've got pockets with holes in it. It's like you put money in it. It's just gone. Okay. And and, and, you know, and people, people, people sometimes are praying, Lord, bless me, Lord, come through for me. But actually he blesses those, well, we're all blessed, but that blessing shows up in the lives of people whose focus is right. And so James brings this into his book because he, he brings an emphasis in focus and eternity mindedness and the temporiness of life. Um, it, 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 there's a lot of Christians who are believing for prosperity, but they don't have an eternity mindset. They're believing for prosperity because their mindset and focus is all in what I'm getting, what I'm building and what I want. And now, oh, I heard God wants to bless me. So, wow, that gives me a great reason to be blessed more. Lord, bless me more. <laughs> it's like one minister says one of the I heard ministers say this years ago one of the reasons sometimes someone doesn't step into the blessing is because the moment god gives them a boat and and a, and a mansion they're not in church on sunday morning <laughs> they're out on the boat <laughs> okay um and so haggai haggai shows them that the reason that blessing is not showing up is because you stop building the temple and he tells the people focus matters so I believe this is why James brings this in, because he's dealing with people who are not getting results. Sometimes people think, well, it's all just about your words. You've got to speak faith. Well, yes, but if you, I agree with that. You know that I agree with that. But you can speak all the faith you want to, but you'll find it, it's eternal spiritual principles don't always work when the priorities are wrong. Okay, they, it, when the shift is wrong, when the focus is wrong, some things just don't want to work quite right. And James is focused on getting this working properly for everybody. Mm. Okay, we haven't even got to James yet. I'm still just giving a bit of background on this, but you'll see this as we then get into this because the way he mentions things and what he says, and he wants the people that he's writing to who are who in his mind, in his heart, he's writing to people who are struggling to get results. Remember, like I said, I he was a pastor, and I believe people came to him and said, well, you know, James, I've heard you teach on mountain moving faith. Why aren't my mountain moving? Well, I've heard you this. And he, so he goes into reasons. His whole book is about this. And, um, and he brings in the, the eternity mindset or the focus or, or, or in comparison with people who just temporary focused. Now, God doesn't mind us enjoying things in the temporary when our heart and our focus is correct. Uh, and this is this so important that we've got to maintain this. That's why... If, 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 if there's something that has us and God says that's hindering you doing what I want you to do, we have to be willing to sacrifice it. Yeah. Say, fine, it goes. It's out of my life. Okay. God can give me another one. God can give me better. And so the, in Haggai, have you ever noticed how the prophets before Israel went into captivity are really long books, Ezekiel and Jeremiah. Jeremiah was repent, 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 you know. Re I mean, how many, how many chapters? I think it's like 30, 40. I don't know how many chapters in the book of Jeremiah. 
um, and Isaiah. And, and, and then suddenly the prophets that come after um, in the restoration, they're like two chapter books. We call them the minor prophets. There's a few of them that in the time period. And I think one of the, one of the reasons they such, such shorter books is because the people actually listened. He didn't have to keep repeating himself. Uh, Jeremiah had to tell them to repent, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times, and they just wouldn't listen, and eventually it all went wrong. If God's having to talk to you hundreds and hundreds of times about something, then, then there, there's a problem somewhere. But with Haggai, he gives them this prophecy, and you see within a few verses they make the change. And they, they say, okay, fine, we, have, we stopped building the temple. And they made a decision, put the temple first. And then Haggai says to them, from this day, God, will, you, you'll have that blessing. It's all going to change. The harvest is going to come in. And actually that was hindering the harvest coming into their lives. It was, 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 was the lack of, was the temporary focus in what they wanted. And this is more, this is a bigger issue in a lot of Christians' lives than many people would care to admit. I, uh, I, and, and, and I think this, this is a big issue, even in terms of teaching about finances and blessing and all those kind of things, because I think sometimes people hear those messages and they just see it as this is an opportunity for me to get rich. This is an opportunity for me to get God becomes my slot machine. Okay. And it's not that God has anything against those things, but the priorities have to be right. And the mindset has to be correct. And when the mindset is correct, he won't have any problem blessing. Yeah. Some people look at people who are incredibly blessed and they just think, well, they can't be doing God's work because of how, how much they've got. Actually, if their heart's right, that's probably, that could be why God's channeling so much through them um, and, and is able to. Yeah. So we've got to be careful a, a, about just thinking, you know, oh, something's wrong there. There can be people who've accumulated it all themselves, but there are some people that God has channeled a huge amount through them because he knows if he says, give it away, they'll give it away. They'll walk away from it. He's tested them on that, and he knows their focus is right. Okay, so so he's the part of the instruction in Timothy is storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come. There's the priority, um, and this has to be our priority, especially I believe, especially in the days in which we're living. That we have to we have to become totally eternity minded. Um, you know, I didn't really know where today was going to go, and I will get to the book of James. But you know what? One of the things that's incredible about Christians in the, the, in the first century, about how they didn't fear getting put to death. Mm. And it's always stood out to me. I know a lot of Christians say, yes, I'll die for the Lord. But you watch them. You watch them when they really put up. Some of them, they'll cling to their life. They, it's, it's easy to say, what, I'll, I'll, I won't deny Jesus. Peter said he wouldn't deny Jesus. And then he went and did it. And the proof's in the pudding. But some of these people, when you look at Paul, he had a real revelation that is that dying physically was not a big issue. For me to live is Christ to die is gain. He says, "You kill me, I just step over into eternity." Peter Peter talked about his natural body as this earthly tent and the temporariness of it, mm. and 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 it, they had a revelation of that. It, it, their body, this is just a temporary tent to get the job done down here. But we step into eternity. That's what matters, and that and and that's why they didn't fear death. Because they had a revelation of what's afterwards. Yeah. Uh, it, and, it, and it wasn't a big issue to them. So, you know, you see these mindsets all the way through. You look at some of the Christians in the early centuries when they were taking them to be killed. Some of them sang psalms and hymns and praises on their way. Uh, and you look at that and think, wow, how could someone do that? Because they, they really did grasp the temporariness of this life. 
And, and th that is a lost aspect of the message, which we need to, to understand. Uh, living live, life is about more than just the natural temporary existence. Uh, me, my concerns, my worries. Um, and, and yes, God loves us so much that me, my concerns and my worries are important to him. Mm. But actually, there's something bigger than that. There's something more important than that. And, uh, and this is what we, a wise person lives with a revelation of eternity. They live with a revelation of eternity and they understand how the decisions I make today and how those affect my eternity. And that matters to them. A fool just wants the stuff today and I'll think about eternity when I get there. Okay. Um, see, you know, when we receive Jesus into our life, it's not just a matter of I receive him so I can have eternal life. Now I just go back and live my life how I want to. <laughs> There's a lot, this is a full on commitment yeah, where, 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 where we give our lives completely. Um, and I think the holding back of fully giving their lives is hindering a lot of Christians. And it's one of the reasons they're not getting a praise answer. They're not all in. Um, they're holding on even, even the, the, you know, I could go into a whole message about consecration here with, with Jesus prayed, not my will, but your will be done. Whatever it is, Lord, whatever it is you want me to do. And, and if it means I got to let go of something, turn my back on something, get away, you know, whatever it is, I will live for, for, for eternity as a priority. Uh, the call of God, what God says matters to me more than anything else. Now, when God finds a person who will do that, he won't mind giving you the other things too. You know, so let's uh, let's actually get to the book of James and we'll continue on with where we were. James one verse uh, nine, 10 and 11. See, but someone 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 might say, but my worries are important. I really need this. I really need that. Yes, it's God loves us. And yes, it is important. And he wants to meet our needs. But when you begin to realize it's not the most important thing, uh, when you're clinging to that, as the, that's all that matters and, and you can't see the plan of God and the purpose of God, then actually that can become a hindrance and a problem to actually getting through that very thing. Um, and sometimes you have to reaffirm to your place, re reaffirm to God your place of your plan, your purpose matters to me more than anything else. Okay, so James 1, verse 9, 10, and 11, we, we read a, a couple of this. Let the lowly brother glory in his exaltation, but the rich in his humiliation. And what, what is he emphasize here to, uh, 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 that, that the, really the rich people need to grasp? Because as a flower of the field, he will pass away. Um, no sooner has the sun risen with a burning heat than it withers the grass. Its flower falls and its beautiful appearance perishes. Everything in the natural world, no matter how beautiful it is, will perish, will die. Well, it's all the temporiness and it all has temporary nature to it. It's a, you know, this natural life's temporary. Mm. 70 or 80 years, 90 years, 100 years may seem like a long time, but in, etern in, 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 in comparison to eternity, it's not. Mm. Um, in comparison to uh, how long eternity is, it's just a moment. Okay, um, and if all we do is live for these natural things, what we don't realize is those things will fade and pass. Those things will fade and pass, um, and then you have nothing to show for it afterwards. Um, I preached a message a while ago, and I'm just reminded now about uh, this was in one of the Thursday nights ages back. 
but but it was where I talked about focusing on the reward, focusing on the reward, the eternal reward. I can't remember all of that message right now, but part of it was Moses uh, and why when he was able to turn his back on some things in Egypt, and that's what Hebrews 11 um, uh, talks about, you know, all he had available to him and yet he was willing to, 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 to respond to his heart to, to, to help the, 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 the Israelites. And, and he might have done it in a, the flesh himself trying to, you know, I think he thought he'd kill the Egyptians one at a time and bury them. He's going to run out of burial places soon, you know, but he, re, he was willing to lay everything aside in order to do, to, to do what was in his heart. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, and Hebrews 11 brings out that. And it says uh, he looked to the reward. What reward? not just the natural reward, his eyes were on something else. And that actually drove his decisions as to, as to what really mattered. So it's easy to live for the temporary and the pleasures of the now. Um, and actually, that, that when I said that phrase, pleasures of now, there are things that are, that are okay pleasures, but actually one of the things even is, is yielding to sin. Sometimes it's the pleasure of the moment. It's what I want right now. And uh, in fact, when he says this, the, uh, I think one of the next topics he goes into is people just yielding, or it's just before or just after this, I think it's just after this, people just yielding to temptation, yielding to desires. Uh, because actually what I want, what my flesh wants is the most important thing to them. What I want right now, the pleasure I want in the right now, that isn't even godly, I'll get it now and I'll repent later. Because God will forgive me, he's gracious. That is a wrong mentality. Because actually, it's living for the temporary what I want now and sacrificing the, the, that which is of eternal value. When you have your mind on the eternal reward, then you realize sometimes the pleasures are sacrificed for now. They're not, they're, they're, they're not as important as they seem or as your, your flesh once uh, is telling you they are. Okay, we all have a higher destiny and a higher purpose in life. And the more we capture that and the more that we remind ourselves of that, the more we'll find we begin to align ourselves into a position where, our, where even our prayers can become answered and will flow better. I think this is a bigger obstacle to answered prayer than a lot of people realize. And if we, if we can actually see, this isn't just something, like I said, for people with a call of God. This is for every single Christian. We either cling to our lives and what we want and our priorities, or we begin to say, Lord, I will sacrifice anything, any priority, anything that I need to, because the call is more important. What you say is more important. Okay. So now let's, uh, let me see, uh, James chapter four. He, he mentions this again. There's a bit more in here. Like I said, he jumps. He'll mention something for a few verses and then he'll go into another topic, but then he'll come back to something he said. Uh, the whole book of James operates like that. So you have to sometimes piece the threads together. Uh, James chapter four, verse 13. Uh, come now, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go to such, a city, such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell and make a profit. Now, is it wrong to spend a year somewhere? Is it wrong to buy and sell? Is it wrong to make a profit? Then what's wrong with this verse? Where's God in that decision? Did the, did the person even factor God in? Is there anything about, Lord, is this, the, is this right for me to do? Is this where you want me to be? Is this your plan for me? 
Okay. Many people make their plan and get God and want God to bless it, but they make all the decisions themselves of what they want. And sometimes actually, well, sometimes more than we do, we should be saying, Lord, what, what, what do you want me to do? You show me and I'll sacrifice my plans. So the problem with this is not any of those isolated things by themselves in verse 13. The problem is these are plans without God factored in. And it's going where I want, doing what I want, make, making what I want. And this is how people pray. This is how people often pray. Okay. But then Jay, in verse 14, he, he brings us back to the same truth that I've been talking about, Jay. He says, whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. Now, who does know what will happen tomorrow? Now, what if, what if, for example, you say, well, I'm going to move to that city tomorrow. So you just pack up and you go to that city and an earthquake happens in that city tomorrow. And then you say, well, God, why don't you protect me? You know that God's protection is sometimes in his direction? If you'd listened, he might have told you not to go. Okay? I've, I, I, after, after, I've made some decisions to move to places, and then sometimes afterwards you realize God never told me to go there. And you're sitting there in that place going, God, why is it all going wrong? Why is nothing working? What's happening, Lord? Why isn't this working? Why isn't that working? Why don't you fulfill your promises? Why don't you keep, I'm speaking faith, I'm doing this? Because he never told you to be there. Uh, this morning, I referred to um, a message I've, I heard years ago. And some of you might have heard, I think various ministers have preached the same message. It, it's, it's a pretty good message. So I'm going to now become one of the various message, ministers who've preached this message. Um, the title of the message when I heard it was A Place Called There. Okay. And the gist of the message is, is uh, for example, Elijah. Now, when Elijah prophesied, uh, it was a drought or famine, famine, drought, one of the two, drought, no rain, wasn't it? So it'd be drought, uh, which called, probably caused a famine. But when Elijah in one Kings, one Kings or two Kings, 17 prophesied a famine, um, you, you realize he had to live through that famine too. <laughs> okay. Um, he, he, it's all good and well to prophesy something out and speak something out, but he had to live through the consequences of that famine too. So he needed provision. Sorry, I said famine again. Now it was a drought. Okay. Drought means no water. So where did God lead him? God led him to the brook Cherith. And if you read it, I, I won't turn and look at that right now. It says, uh, it, there's a phrase in there, which is go to the brook Cherith. I'm paraphrasing it. And, and he says, for I have commanded ravens to feed you there. Where? In that location. That's where the ravens will feed you. Now, what if Elijah decided he was just going to be a man of faith, stay where he was and believe for ravens to feed him somewhere else. And he sat there, sat there, where's the ravens, Lord? Oh, you said ravens are coming. God said, the ravens are over there where I told you to be. You're over somewhere else where I ain't told you to be because you wanted to be somewhere else. Where's the provision? There. <laughs> yeah. And if we ain't there, provision ain't going to happen. Now, I do. I actually do think God is quite merciful. I think sometimes he, he, he probably a lot more merciful than we realize. Um, you know, when I when Abraham, we'll come back to the Elijah one in a minute. Um, when Abraham, when God first told Abraham in Genesis twelve, "Leave your father's house and go to a land that I will show you." Now, what if Abraham just stayed in his father's house and said, "Well, I'm just going. I want to stay here, Lord, but you bless me here." Ain't going to work like that. Okay. So he packed up. He went to the land God had told. Now, what had God told him? Go to the land 
I will show you. Now you'll find that's pretty much where the instruction stops in terms of the land. Abraham got to the land and then it says there was a famine in the land. Okay. Now, do you think God knew about the famine when he sent Abraham there? Do you think God could have done for Abraham what he did a generation later for Isaac, who sowed in the famine and reaped a hundredfold? Of course he could have done. But what happens is Abraham went to the land, looks around and goes, there's a famine in this land. What am I doing here? And he immediately packs his bags and goes to Egypt. But in that, there was no, Lord, I think you missed it in this land. You know, maybe you should tell me to go to Egypt. Did he even consult the Lord? Didn't even ask God, should I go to Egypt? Where had God told him to be? In, in the land. That's where he said, go to that land. Now, I personally think the reason a generation later in Genesis 26, the reason Isaac stayed in the land is I, I think he heard daddy's story where daddy told him, I got out of the place God told me to be. I got out of there and I went somewhere else. What happened when Abraham went to Egypt? The first thing he did is he started lying. He had to, he started, oh, she's not my wife. She's my sister. He got into fear. Would any of that happened if he was where God told him to be? None of that would have happened. Okay. And then was it Pharaoh? Pharaoh yeah. took a fancy to his wife and all these kind of things. He almost lost his wife. Why? Was it because God wasn't watching over him? No, he's in the wrong place. <laughs> now, if God had told him to be in Egypt, that would have been a different story. He wouldn't have had to lie to protect himself. Now, God actually did help Abraham in that situation. He helped him get out of it. But what happened is Abraham then left Egypt, went back to the land God told him to be in. And, when, and there's a phrase in Genesis 12, which says, which says something to the effect of, he came back to the place where, where, where oh, God is the phrase, where he was at the beginning. He went a full circle. What, in other words, he got back to there. And then God could take him forward into the next stage of things. So Elijah, let's go back to Elijah. Elijah is uh, sitting by the brook Cherith. Now, the brook Cherith, I don't think we really, we do use the word brook these days, stream or brook or something. It, that's water, yeah? Now, notice when God sent him to the brook Cherith, many people have, don't notice this. God did not say, I will keep the brook fl flowing. God knew where there was water. There was no miracle in the water. It's just that that water hadn't dried up yet. God said, I will send ravens to feed you there. That was the miraculous provision. Okay. Now, then the next verse, next phrase says, but the brook dried up. Someone says, well, why did God's provision dry up? God's provision, it doesn't say the raven stopped. It says the brook dried up. Because there was no, there was no supernatural provision. God just sent him to a place where there was some water happening, and then got the ravens as the miraculous thing to feed him. And so the provision, God's provision, didn't stop. The natural circumstances changed. He, and God just had him there for a temporary moment. Now he, he, he. Then God then said to him, "Right, go to Zarephath. There is a widow woman there." Where's the word again? that I've commanded to feed you. Yeah? Where's the widow woman? Now, what if Elijah had thought, man, I'm such a great man of faith. I just spoke to the clouds. I just stopped rain. You watch me speak to this brook and command water to come out of it again. Because I'm a man of miracles. Now, was he a man of miracles? 
But was it going to work if he wasn't doing it where God told him to do it? <laughs> what if he just made up his own decision? I quite like this brook. I, I think I'll make a home here. I'm going to stay here for life. And, you know, I, I think we'll just get the brook flowing again with my faith and miraculous power. And he would have sat there and it wouldn't be working. Why wouldn't it be working? Because he wasn't working it in coalition with the plan of God. And that stops results happening. Elijah had to then move location again to get to where God said, that's where. And the moment he got to there, the miracles happened again. And the next stage of the miracle happened and the, and the, the oil and the, the flour multiplied for him. And what if he had thought to himself, I don't, it's quite a long journey to Zarephath. God, I haven't checked how far it is on a map, but you know, I'm just how, I'm just theorizing. What if he had said, Lord, you know, this brook is really nice. Zarephath's not my favorite city. I, I, I passed through there a while ago and I didn't really like it. So, Lord, why don't you just tell the widow woman to come to me and I'll, I'll sit here and I'll believe that the widow woman's going to be the one to come to me. God didn't give the instruction to the widow woman. He gave the instruction to Elijah. So who had the responsibility for, to follow it was Elijah. Okay, but he had to be willing to follow what God was saying and make his plans based upon God, what God was saying, rather than make his plans and just tell God to bless them. And this is key. So this is what James is dealing with. James 4.13 is all about me making my plans without consulting God. And they're just expecting God to show up and bless it all for me. This is hindering a lot of people getting results. So James emphasizes verse 14. He says, you don't know what will happen tomorrow. Like I said, where you've wanted to be, an earthquake might happen tomorrow. Then don't blame God for not protecting you when he didn't tell you to be there. Um, I heard one of my Bible school instructors told a story about a woman who called him on the prayer lines. Uh, he was working on the ministry prayer lines there. And, and uh, the, you might have heard this story because I think a few other ministers have told it now since because it's a good story. It's good, good to steal someone else's story if it, if it sound, comes out good. And this woman, um, she was all distressed on the prayer lines because prayer lines, people tend to be distressed about something. Um, and uh, this woman was, was crying and she was like, I got mugged. And, and I don't know why God didn't protect me because I pray Psalm 91 every day. Every day of my life, I pray Psalm 91 for protection and I got mugged. Why didn't God come through for me? And he said he did not know. He really, this was a new one for him. He was young in ministry. He was still training and developing. And he thought, I don't know the answer to that. But what he did know is look inside himself. God will give him wisdom. And so he did. While he's talking to this woman, just quietly on the inside, he said to himself, God, show me, help me, give me something to help this woman. And rise, uh, he, he, in his heart, he had, he had the sense rise up. Ask her why she was in that part of town where she got mugged. Is that where she lived? Did she need to be there? And so he, he did. He said to the woman, he says, why, why did you go to that town? Or were, were you just on your normal thing, your normal day, and you just got mugged? And she said, no. She said, I had, to go, I, had, I had some business I needed to do in that part of town. It was the rough part of town. She said, I didn't have to do it that day. I just thought I'm going to go do it. And anyway, they continued chatting. And finally, the woman said to him, come, come to think of it, I had a check on the inside before going, but I just prayed Psalm 91 and I thought God will protect me and I went anyway. God's protection is very often in his direction. If he tells you, don't get on the boat and you get on the boat and the boat sinks, don't say, why didn't God protect him? 
you know how many people, how many Christians have died on airplanes, and but and the stories come out later where someone says they had a, they didn't want to get on the plane. I I know of other famous international Christian musicians. He was he was checking in at the airport and he turned to his family and said, "I I just don't something doesn't feel right about this journey." And then they overread it and this and he's like, "I just want to get home." Or the and and they got on the plane. And the plane crashed and they died. And all the Christians asked, why? You know, there's a Christian on there. He's such a well-known musician. Why'd he die? He didn't listen. That's why he died. <laughs> he wasn't where God told him to be. Okay? And he, he, God says, don't get on the plane. Don't get on the plane. Don't just say, ah, that's all right. God will protect me. Don't brush it off with stupidity. Listen. Okay? Listen is a big thing in Scripture. Yeah? Um, Joseph, how did God provide through Joseph? Remember Joseph was sent to prison, um, in, oh, in sorry, Egypt, that Joseph. That Joseph oh. Yeah. If you, you're thinking about, well, actually even, you know, Jesus dad, Joseph, cause it's just been Christmas. So you're all thinking that Joseph, um, <clears throat> no, the Joseph in, in, um, uh, in, in the book of Genesis, yeah. um, who was taken as a slave to, to Egypt, mm. Um, and then ended up in the, the bottommost dungeon thing. And then the dreams of Pharaoh got him out. And, and, but how, uh, 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 how did God move in that situation? Through direction, instructions. What was the instruction? They're going to be seven years of plenty. And then they're going to be seven years of lack. And then Joseph gave some wisdom. And he said, use those seven years of plenty to save. Now, what if, what if, Hypothetical. What if Pharaoh was a Christian? And Pharaoh thought to himself, look how God is blessing us. Let's export double what we normally export. We can really use this to make some money here. God must be blessing us. Now, God was blessing them. They were getting massive harvests that were way beyond the normal, but that blessing had purpose. That blessing for seven years was to get them through the next seven years. So what if they exported it all? <clears throat> they would have had a big pile of gold and they would have started starving because they didn't do what God said with what he gave them. Yeah? So there were some specific directions. The directions were to save. And then, then you'll be ready for the... For, for God had a plan. He had the plan to bring all of Joseph's family, his brothers, his dad, to that place Here's the word. It doesn't say it there, but let's use it. That place there yeah. to take care of his family through that famine. Now, not only would all the Egyptians have struggled, but what would, but what, have, what would have happened to Joseph's family? Well, they were living somewhere else where there was the, the, they, were, they weren't, couldn't get food. They ended up having to send the brothers and eventually all move to Egypt because that right there is where the provision was. This is key. You can't just override God's instructions with your faith. Faith works with the word of God, not opposite to it. And if you go against the word, and, and the word can be the written word, but it can also be God's instructions to you, you go against that and try to override it with your faith, your faith ain't going to work. That's why we've got to listen. We've got to hear. Okay? So James, James then shows them, uh, verse 13, don't just make plans without God. He says, you don't know what will happen tomorrow. He says, for what is your life? It's even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. What's he coming back to? The temporiness of it. It's temporary. Temporary. 
you base all your decision on what I want and it's all just temporary decisions, you said it, it, just at the end of the day, one, you're going to end up making the wrong decisions, you're going to be in the wrong place. But at the end of the day, you're going to invest all your effort into the temporary. And uh, <clears throat> it's going to poof, poof away in a moment. Yeah? Instead, verse 15, you ought to say, now, now he tells them, this is what you should be saying. If the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. I know many Christians who use that phrase all with, oh, if the Lord wills, this will happen. If the, Lord, if the Lord wills, I'll be at the meeting tomorrow. Well, clearly, if the Lord doesn't will, I'll be sitting in front of my TV watching my favorite show. Yeah. They just throw that phrase around. They think you just take the phrase out because he said, quote, unquote, say this, if the Lord wills, I'll be at the meeting. That's not what he's talking about. This is a heart, not just a parrot phrase. What is the heart of this? seeking what God wills. And you know, the will of God is not just a random unknown thing. It's something you should know. It's not just, well, if I happen to get there, that must be what the Lord wills. If the Lord wills, I'll make it home too. <laughs> okay. You know, when Jesus prayed, not my will, but your will be done in the garden of Eden, he already knew what the will of God was. He wasn't praying for the unknown. He, he was committing to himself to what he already knew was the will of God. So when he says, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. The, if you understand that in, in the light of scripture, you should already know what the Lord is saying. And now you are yielding to it. Okay, Lord, if that's what you want, that's what I'll do. It's not just a random phrase. We, does that make sense? It's, it's a heart that puts the will of God above my plans. The incredible thing about God is very often, if you will do just that, he'll give you what, what you had to actually sacrifice. It's amazing. When you put the right thing right first, God will very often, he might not, but he might give you something better. He might give you exactly what you had to give up or better to put him first because he loves you so much. Okay. But people cling to something. They will not let go of it. They will not sacrifice it. They will not Isaac it. Remember Abraham, God told Abraham to sacrifice Isaac. What if I, what if Abraham said, but Lord, you gave him to me. I can't sacrifice him. <laughs> if God gave it to you and then says sacrifice it, what do you do? Sacrifice it. It's easier said than done because our hearts cling to things. It's natural. That's my favorite one. God gave me that and I've patted it like a little baby ever since. <laughs> God says, give it up. You give it up. You walk away. Nothing should have our heart more than him. And, 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 and if it does, we should be willing to walk away from it. Okay. Sometimes people cling to their plan so much that they can't get into the plan of God. They can miss what God has for them in an incredible way because they're clinging so much to what they want. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. That should be where the heart and passion is, not in the temporary things. Uh, Verse 16, but now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, uh, to him it is sin. Okay. Uh, up to 15 is, is, is the priority um, there of what I wanted to draw out. So it is important that we always seek the will of God first in our plans. That's the priority. Now let's jump to James 5. 
<clears throat> James 5 then comes in, he comes back to some of these things. Uh, after the foundation, he's already laid. He, 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 he always take things in context of what has already been said in the same book. James, James talked about some things and we've just read them. By the time he gets to James 5, he's already mentioned a couple of things. Don't just isolate this passage and interpret it. Okay. James 5 verse 1, come now you rich, weep and howl for your miseries that have come upon you. Your riches are corrupted and your garments are moth-eaten. Didn't he tell you that's what's going to happen? It's temporary. It's not going to last. Okay. Your gold and silver are corroded and their corrosion will be like a witness against you and will eat your flesh. You have heaped up treasure in the last days. Where's the priority been? Now he's not saying, now, does this mean all rich people will do this? No, not all rich people will do this. There are rich people that are rich because God's blessed them. They're wealthy and, and, and they've got their priorities right. But there are others that do this. But why do they just heap up treasure for themselves? Because their priorities are wrong. Okay. What did he tell us in 1 Timothy 6? Command those that are rich. And then he talks about that they may give. It's not just all for me. Not just all for myself. Yeah, all right. To be a channel. Channel. Yeah. And, and the priority of the kingdom of God. Okay. And so now he's saying, weep and howl. For your miseries that are coming upon you. Why why the rich, why are they gonna why are they gonna weep and howl, the rich? Why are they gonna cry? What's weeping and howling? That's deep crying, isn't it? Yeah. But why are they crying? Because they've lost their riches. Because their riches mm. is all corrupted. What he, what he says in the next verse. He says, Go cry now, because that's your big pile of treasure, and it's all going down the drain. Mm. And you're gonna cry and you're gonna cry. You know what? If the Bible says where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. If your heart and your treasure is in the kingdom of God and all you've got goes down the drain, are you going to weep and howl over it? Because yeah. your heart and your treasure is also, it's in the things of the kingdom of God. And you look at that and say, God can replace all of that. <laughs> God can give it all back to me. I'm not going to be so beaten up by it. I'm going to go with the, the, the plan and the purposes of God first. Uh, verse four, indeed, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which are kept back by fraud, cry us, and the cries of the reaper uh, have reached the ears of the Lord of Sabaoth. You've lived on the earth in pleasure and luxury. You fattened your hearts as in the day of slaughter. Okay. But he's saying you and your, but we could flip this. Me, 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 me is what he's saying. You've just lived me, 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 me. What I want, I made myself fat. I lived in luxury. Is he saying it's wrong to live in luxury? No, but when that's all your focus, and then he says, uh, you've lived in luxury, you've fattened your hearts in the day of slaughter. That was all that mattered to them, was, was how much they could enjoy their stuff. Uh, and then he goes on, and what does he then talk about? Um, uh, verse 7, therefore be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. Why does he mention the coming of the Lord after he's talked about the rich people like that? Well, we could get into all kinds of things and people talk about the wealth of the sinner laid up for the just and all that. But actually, the, the, and I'm not saying there's isn't it, but, the, but there's a flip here of, of contrast. The rich people that he's referring to who are weeping and howling because they're rich, they lost their riches are not really focused on what the eternal thing. Well, what's the eternal thing? Jesus is coming. Yeah. That's what really matters. That's what really matters. And he says, you can step into patience and be at peace and you're not all going to cry and, and get, get all beaten up about things that happen in the natural when you, when you realize 
The Lord's coming. This is, there's an eternal plan going on here. Okay. See how the farmer waits patiently for the precious fruit of the earth. What's really precious? The gold and silver that you're crying over? Yeah. Your loss? No, that's not the most precious thing. What's the most precious thing? The fruit of the earth, which, we, which I believe has got to do with the harvest of people. That's actually, you invest your heart into that. You invest your passion into that. You invest uh, the priority into the building of the kingdom of God and rather than the, pre, pre, uh, than the, than the, the, than the temporary things. You, uh, you, you, you sought after his will, and that's what that's took the highest priority. Yeah. We're willing to walk away from, we're willing to sacrifice things that were not aligned to that. And uh, that is where the power lies, really. And that's what the kind of life that we should be living. And I believe the kind of life that God is wanting us to step into more. And the more eternity-minded we become, the more God can actually flow through us and answer prayers. You know, uh, just, just a final scripture in closing. I said we'll be a bit shorter today. But uh, in Revelation, you know, many people quote the scripture about um, they overcame him by the blood of the lamb. I believe there's power in the blood. They overcame by the word of their testimony and what? And they loved not their lives to the death. They didn't cling to, cling to their life. Someone who clings to their life will do anything they can to keep it. They love enough their, their own lives. Now, we could use that in the sense of, of a martyr, someone actually physically killed, but there's a bit more to that. People who love their lives more than anything else yeah. is actually a factor that's connected to they overcame him. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, the word of the testament, and they loved not their lives to the death. So what if they loved their lives more than anything else? Are they going to step into overcoming? No. 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 It's going to stop the results happening, isn't it? Coming to the place where... His plan and purpose matters more than anything else. He said, I'm going to love just my stuff more than it. I'll enjoy it. Thank you, Lord. I appreciate it. When you bless me, it's wonderful, but I'm not going to cling to it so much. And you, 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 get, you get yourself focused on what I want. It, it, that'll, that'll hinder you overcoming. Yeah. Is the message yeah. that God has made us more than conquerors and overcomers a biblical message? Yes, it is. But is there a clue that a person who clings to their plan more than anything else is going to be hindered from stepping into overcoming? Yes, there is a clue in that verse. Because in order to overcome, you've got to love not your life to the death. You know, one of the, one of the temptations that uh, Jesus had to face. Satan took him up, Luke 4, the temptations, when he went, went into the wilderness where he was fasting. Satan took him up and he showed him all the kingdoms of the yeah. world. Yeah. He said, I will give all of this to you. Yeah. If you bow down to me. Now, did Jesus come to get the kingdoms of the world? He did. But did he come to get it that way? Was there a specific way God had told him to get it? Go to the cross. There was the plan of God, and when he aligned himself and did it the, according to God's plan, he got the kingdoms of this world. But the devil dangled them in front of, uh, dangled them in front of him and offered him an alternative, what appeared to be easy route. Yeah, they've got to go and sweat drops of blood and go hang on a cross, 
or all you got to do is just bow your knee, Racha. Which one sounds easier? Just, oh, bow, bow my knee, that's fine. Yeah, let's get the cross. Father, look, I got what you wanted me to get. I got the kingdoms of this world. Here we go, Father, aren't you pleased with me? No, didn't get it the way he told you to get it. Shortcut, easier route. Jesus, he said, no, no, I'm not doing it that way, devil. I'm not, I'm not just going to grab a hold of it just because I know that's what God, I know that's what my father got me to come. I know that's what the father has for me to get was the kingdoms of this world, but I'm going to do it his way. That's what matters more than anything. Amen? Amen. Oh, so that is what is on my heart today. And I, I trust, should we just close in prayer a little bit, Chan? Then, well, that's fine if you need to go. But um, it's, we're going to, let's close in prayer. And then we will uh, finish off. Hallelujah. Father, we just worship and praise you. Lord, I thank you for your just amazing goodness and your blessings and your provision. And Father, I thank you that you are a good God. But I think it's also important that we remind ourselves of the truths that we've covered tonight, Lord God. Uh, and begin to realize God, God has no problem with us having things, but things are temporary as well. They're not the most important thing. Uh, God doesn't mind us having nice places to live. and all. He wants to bless us. But at the same time, our priority, we are here on this earth to fulfill the plan and purpose of God. And our priority is to be focused on that uh, more than anything else. And, and as we keep ourselves there or, or align and shift ourselves to that as our priority, Father, I thank you that you will do, you'll move and give us the other things in incredible ways. Uh, and, and you're blessed. You don't have a problem with that. So, Father, I just pray that you'll help each one of us make sure that our focus is correct on these things and, and, and keep it correct. It can be correct one day and it can shift back another day. We keep our, this in front of us and begin to realize this is key to getting things to work and getting results in our lives.